Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene and Lori. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hi, it's Lori. I'm so glad you're joining us for another episode. And today we've got a fun episode for you. We're really excited about talking to you and answering some questions that so many people ask us. And we just thought we would uh, mention several questions that I think will be of resource for you and some of your family and friends. On our website, one of our resources that we have available is a question and answer page, and that is one of our most popular um, pages on the website. So if you've never gone there, um, go to rejoiceministries.org, and under resources, you can find the Q&A and check it out. You might find questions that we're not going to cover today, but there's literally hundreds of questions and answers there. Um, that you could look to. But we wanted to pull a few questions that we hear periodically out and um, just go over them and try to give you some insight into how we would answer this if we were, you know, sitting across the table from you having coffee together. So let me start with the first one. The first one says, my spouse is starting the divorce process. How should I react to this? First, you're going to start praying and ask the Lord to intervene, as you probably have already started doing, to touch and soften their heart and heart and to give them wisdom and knowledge and revelation knowledge from the Lord that your marriage is not dead, it's not hopeless, that God can turn anything around to good. And if we've just got to believe that God is a healer, he is our defender, he's our protector. So when you receive um, the divorce papers, you're just going to turn up the heat, as I always try to say, is to turn up the heat in your prayer closet to pray against the divorce coming to fruition. And I, I would add, don't let the divorce, the talk of divorce, the divorce papers, the final divorce date... Don't let any of that be something that just derails your faith. By letting that derail your faith, you're saying, well, that's bigger than God. God can't handle this now. We've reached divorce. There's no hope. And our God is much more powerful than that divorce, divorce papers. You know, even we have testimony after testimony of couples that have gone through with divorces and today they have a restored marriage. And so don't think that there's no hope because of a divorce. Positively. I definitely say don't give up at all because you are just starting the battle and the praying and believing for God to do miracles starting now because now that you are divorced, there's no doubt about it. And that may give your spouse a realization that he or she are divorced and they can go on with their life. But you are going on with the Lord, believing and standing on the promises the Lord has given you already, and you can ask him for more promises after the divorce and have him speak to you every day as you do your devotions and your prayer time. Okay, our next question is about um, introducing your children to another person. And so this person says, my spouse wants to introduce our kids to his new girlfriend. Should I allow that? 
And that was something that we walked through personally. When my dad was um, out of our home, he had another girlfriend, and he um, very much wanted us as kids to be involved with him and his girlfriend and her children and really wanted us to be like one big happy family. And so it was something that I lived through. Um, I've talked about it many times before, but I called my dad when he was out of the house Disney dad because he was a very um, absent father for many seasons in the house. But when he was gone and wanting to get us together with his girlfriend and her kids, he wanted to make sure we were doing all the fun activities, going to the best places, you know, really having a good time. And so meanwhile... My mom was at home trying to figure out how to pay the bills and care for three kids and and figure out, you know, the responsibilities she had. And so you might be living in that and it seems unfair and unjust or that your kids are enjoying time with the prodigal parent better because they're doing more fun things and have more opportunities. I would just not focus on what the circumstances look like. And I would encourage you, the way my mom encouraged us was to respect my dad. And I would encourage you to um, have your kids respect their prodigal parent. They can understand their sin on you know their level, their age level, and still show respect to them. But there's not been a lot of positive outcomes that we have seen when a person takes a hard, fast line and refuses to let... Um, a prodigal introduce their children to other people. Sometimes that can just cause larger amounts of chaos and arguing and fighting. And so, um, you know, that's how we did it in our family. So if you are separated or divorced and you're still having interactions with your husband or wife picking up the children, you want to react and talk and be look like the Lord is touching you and changing you and giving you a supernatural love for your husband that is unconditional love. Regardless of what they're doing now, you're loving them unconditionally like Jesus loves us. And so that is so awesome because I really, um, at the end, when Bob was uh, having the affair and so forth, um, pretty openly, that or I found out and um, and even when we were separated uh, before his divorce, you know, he was picking up the children and they were all doing things. And that devastated me to the point that I really sobbed and cried when they left. I mean, I'm going to be honest, it was not easy. But then I would just remember God's in charge, and God can speak to him and speak to the other woman or other man and pray for their marriage. It reminds me of the scripture, Romans twelve eighteen says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, to live at peace with everyone. And this is a difficult example of how to live at peace with your prodigal, but it's a way that you could um, be able to show them the love of Jesus. You know, you can tell them, I'm not excited about this. I don't know if this is a good idea and try to talk through it rationally that way. But also you can um, just have a calm, loving attitude with the discussions about this. Don't lose your cool and come at your spouse with anger and screaming and yelling, and that doesn't show them Jesus. So in the midst of this, while they're doing things that are hurtful, that are sinful, you can continue to show them the love of Jesus, um, even in a situation like this when it involves your children. 
I know that it's going to be difficult many different times and that you may be very emotional about it after they leave with your family, but with your children. But I would just say that God is greater to help you get through that each and every time. Turn to the Lord and, and give this as a time that you can say, what can I do at, when uh, your spouse is taking the children or has the children? Ask the Lord what he wants you to do to fill your time up that you may not have any projects that you have been wanting to do, have friendships, serve the Lord in a new way. Okay, here's another question. Someone recently shared a testimony with us and said um, in that testimony that their spouse is very leery of the changes that they're seeing um, in their life. And that while the spouse is interested in coming home, in this situation, it's a wife that is the prodigal and a husband that's standing. And um, she's interested in pursuing a new relationship, but she doesn't trust the changes. And so she wants more time. And so the question is, do you, is it common for a prodigal spouse to not trust the changes that a spouse who's standing is saying are happening in their life? Some might say um, that you're doing this to be manipulative, to bring them home and then go back into your old ways of living together. And that's a lie from the enemy. Yeah, you have to keep in mind that there was issues that you both have to take responsibility for in the demise of a marriage. We have not yet found a spouse, even regardless of what the prodigal has done, that both spouses were completely innocent. And so you have to take ownership of the role you played when your marriage was not the way it should have been. And understand that while you may be a completely different person, like we have seen some major transformations in people's lives that have been standing for their marriage, that your spouse, your prodigal may not understand what's happened in your life, may not trust what's happening in your life. They may be using that as an excuse, or they may be literally leery of coming back into something. They're thinking, why didn't you do this sometime when we were having all our marriage problems? Why did you not change then when we knew our marriage was in trouble? And they're thinking, why now are you doing it? And that's that the enemy is even encouraging them to think all those thoughts also. The only way your spouse is going to trust and believe that you're a different person is the same way you would trust and believe that they were a different person with new habits. And that's by giving it time and having the um, ability to have faith in them, faith that they're going to be different, faith that they have changed, being trustworthy of their word. And so I would say, give your prodigal time. If that is a legitimate excuse that your prodigal has right now, just continue to show them the love of Jesus and let them understand you're a different person. And in you know, your situation, in the book Finding the Way Home, um, Dad writes about the fact that he was very much in the same boat where he did not trust that you were a different person. Right. And while he had a list of faults that contributed to the problems in the marriage— you recognized there was things you had done that you should not have done. You had behaved in certain ways. Correct. You were not living right. 
And so he came back and kind of used it as a testing time and said, well, I'm going to see if she's really different because I don't believe she's as different as she claims. And he saw day after day a changed person. And so let your life speak louder than your words. If you are following Jesus and you are acting like Jesus, then you're acting like him on the good days, the hard days, the happy days, the sad days, and you're not saying, I'm a different person, I'm following Christ, and I'm I'm trying to live in his image, and then you unload with, you know, um, a fury of anger and words on your spouse. So just be the consistent person and pray that God is making your prodigal into the consistent person that they need to be as well, so you can both come back to the marriage as new creatures in Christ. Amen. And that's so true. And uh, I know Bob came back home, and we got married the day that the Lord sort of put the his thumb in his back and said, you need to go drive two and a half hours and see your wife and go out to lunch, and you need to talk to her and tell her that you want to marry her. I want you to be obedient to what I'm telling you to do. Go home. Right. So yours was sudden, and there was a sudden change and and recognition of behavior changes. So let's talk about restoration then for a minute. Once your spouse comes home, somebody wrote and said, the restoration process is not as easy as I thought it would be. Do you have any advice in this situation? And the restoration process will not be as easy as you're hoping it will be. Let us just tell you right now, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult because you both are walking on eggshells. Your spouse still may be coming home as a prodigal of not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not, or she's not saved or walking and going to church regularly or any of that. We we see a lot of spouses that come home for logistical reasons, or they come home just to test the waters. Or they come home because financially they cannot pay another um, um, housing. Right. So they come home for different reasons. But God is bringing them home, and that is the most important thing to remember, is that it's you and the Lord that are going to work on and acting and reacting to your husband or wife when they come home, because they are looking and magnifying you to see how you are going to be different, that how what he's they've seen outside the house Now, what is it going to be going on in the house? And are you going to be giving your husband or wife the authority to be correcting the children again and being a mom and a dad to them regularly? Yeah. One thing we say about um, restoration is once a stander, always a stander. And time and again, if we hear about problems that are happening after restoration has taken place, um, usually without fail, we will hear someone say, I gave up. I stopped praying for my marriage once my spouse moved home. I wasn't in the word as much as I should have been. And they just kind of had a disconnect from their marriage. And that is just what the enemy needs. It's just a small crack to try to come in and cause chaos again. We talk a lot about preparing for um, the role that you're going to have. 
And you know that if you're learning how to be a different wife, a different husband, then you need to be preparing for restoration today. Wherever your spouse is, you're preparing for that. Um, We have a great teaching called My Spouse Has Come Home, What Do I Do? And um, that teaching will talk about how to handle it. So you're prepared when that happens. If you have kids, you went through classes and you um, had some CPR training and you did some preparing before you brought that baby home from the hospital. And this is the time before restoration starts to be preparing so that when restoration happens, you know how to live. And let me just take the pressure off of you. It is not all about you. It's not resting fully on your shoulders that if this fails, it is your fault because you didn't show enough unconditional love or you didn't pray hard enough or you failed in some way. That's not the case. You have two adults that are both responsible for how they act. But let me tell you that when God's word tells us that prayer changes things, and that we need to um, be praying for our spouses. When you don't do it, you will definitely see an impact in your restoration. Positively. And what I want to say is that when Bob came home, I decided I had to choose to treat him lovingly and not remember all what he has been doing and hold a grudge or or uh, say, this is all your fault that we're having to go through all this you know. Well, yeah, the restoration process begins a whole different healing process. Correct. Because Correct. you have to heal and forgive for what originally broke the marriage up, heal and forgive for things that happened during the separation or divorce. Well, Lori, you know what I say? Forgive your spouse every day they're gone. Mm-hmm. Every day they're gone, regardless of how many years, you need to pray for them daily and pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to them in multiple ways, that God would put men and women that are believers in where they work or where they buy different things or have relationship with different people. We want them to have um, other people that will influence them also. Well, let me just tack on to what you just said about forgiving your spouse daily, because that leads to another question we have is a person says, I really don't like my spouse right now, and I'm trying very hard to love him. How do I change these feelings? So she's trying to stand for marriage restoration, but the person she's looking at does not look too lovable right now, which is extremely common. Very common. And so we have to look at them as, how does Jesus look at them? How does the Lord look at them? And and then we have to take all those scriptures of say, Lord, how, and, and ask the Lord, how do you see my husband? I can tell you, and I don't have my journal book here, but there are so many scriptures the Lord gave me of how my husband was and how God saw him. And, um, and I wouldn't even actually give Bob a note or sometimes, um, a, a little, um, send him a card. And I would say, you know, I just read a scripture, and this is what I believe you, who you are, and what God is going to make you. And I would give the scripture to him. And believe it or not, he kept those notes. He would tell me, don't send me your, um, your notes. But in the meantime, he kept them, and they were all there when he came home. And so, and we got to remember that if they do have another person, 
that other person is wanting you to remember how bad they were and not remember that you've got promises from God of what God is doing in your life and in going to be doing in their life. And your your spouse probably does not look very lovable right now. I mean, they they there are some stories we hear day after day of spouses that are just doing some pretty awful things and behaving in ways that don't align with the word. And um, that's not the person that you're praying you want back. You're asking for God to do like Psalm 51 and create, where David says, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Pray that for your spouse every day. Lord, create in John a clean heart, you know, um, give him a right spirit. And that's your prayer is you're praying for the person that God's going to bring back redeemed and go back to the Fight for Your Marriage podcast episodes that we have. We have so many testimonies on there and testimony after testimony that we have there, you can hear um, where a spouse, the prodigal that was gone from the home was, um, we have one stories of people that were in jail, that were committing crimes, that were um, alcoholics, that were addicted to drugs, that were, you know, in affairs and just horrible situations that God redeemed them from. And now they've come back home and they're working with their spouse to get back where they should be. So ask God to show you who, like you said, your who he sees your spouse to be now. Right, exactly. You know, not, um, not the ugliness that you're seeing right now. Right. And another um, comment I want to say that we say probably frequently, you need to have your side uh, of your closet um, on your side, your clothes on your side, and leave the other side empty for your spouse. That when they come home suddenly, or they just pull up in the house and say, "I want to bring a few things in, in the into the bedroom," you're ready to receive it lovingly, and that everything this is drawers, his chest of drawers are empty. You have not taken over as if they're not coming home. Yeah, we have one. Live expecting. Yeah. Live expecting. Right. We have one um, lady who said that she would buy um, her husband's favorite snacks. And so whenever he would stop by the house to, you know, um, fix something or trade kids, she would say, oh, would you like, you know, to have this drink or these chips or whatever? She would always get the snacks that he liked from the days they were married. She would have them at the house just to continue to welcome him and show him that love. That is so important. And I will even go another step. I used to, and Bob used to come and drop off the kids after he had them. And he was going back and driving two and a half hours back up to his home alone. I would say to him, Here is a batch of whatever his favorite cake, favorite dessert was, and I would fix that already for him to have at home so that he remembers that I fixed something for him that he liked and that he remembers I love him. And I would suggest you do that. Now, if they won't even take it, don't worry about it, but someday they will take it. And it's just nice to even have the gesture. Exactly. And you are just touching and showing them that unconditional love. That there's no, there's nothing you're going to gain in it except that he, he or she remembers or sees your love or your thoughtfulness yeah. to making something that he or she would like. And that is so important. 
Let me read a testimony that we received that um, lines up with what we've been talking about. And if you're not reading the Saturday testimonies, I really want to encourage you to go read them. And I want to encourage you to submit a testimony. You can go right to our website and um, in the top right corner, it says contact us. There's a place to submit your testimony. But we love hearing what God's doing in your life and how he is um, growing your faith. And it's such a huge encouragement to other people. And so um, submit those testimonies so that we can constantly be growing and learning from each other. But this person said that it's been a year since God brought Rejoice Marriage Ministries into my life. And oh, what a year it has been. Although my husband has not yet returned, he is now at that I'm never coming home stage, which we've heard before. I mean, we just you just said that in your own situation, you heard that hours before you were remarried. So don't get discouraged when they say I'm never coming home. Correct. Um, She says he is coming home, and I know that he just doesn't know that yet. Just this weekend, I learned to not live in the crushing stage, and this is so good. I never would have imagined that I would accept the pain of my situation and accept it as my current normal. I encourage each of you to claim every promise and know in your hearts that God is working all of this together for our good. I've been so focused on restoration that I nearly missed the blessing of my oldest son returning to God and entering rehab. Another son's heart is softening and returning to me. Through my pain, I want to encourage each of you not to give up. Let God fight for you. Stop asking God what you can do and just let him do it. Thank you for sharing your testimonies. I cannot wait to share my journey to restoration. Choose to rejoice through the pain. And her testimony is so good and just speaks to what we're talking about. Positively. You have something to rejoice about on Monday morning, even if your spouse did not come home over the weekend. Positive. What did God do in your life that weekend? How did he speak to you? How is your faith being strengthened? What are you seeing happening around you? Like she's seen two sons restored um, through what she's been through. And so look for God. That's huge because we're praying for, and and depending on how long you have to wait in your stand, your children are growing up and they're vital uh, that you're the primary person you to speak the Lord into their lives. Right, you're an example, a living example. Living example. And so regardless, if you're home alone while your spouse has them, use it to your advantage of of having uh, time to do whatever God wants you to do, that you can have fun and you can grow in the Lord, but you can have relationships, you can do Bible studies uh, with other people and and really grow but and you can pray for your children and the for their future. Yeah, I love that she said she's not living in that crushing stage. And you know what she's talking about. That crushing feeling where it just feels like there's no hope. Everything that's happening is just just really crushing your spirit and she said I learned to not live in that stage. Well, I can remember really almost begging Bob to come home. Um, and when we would talk or he would call, I would just say at the end, you know, I love you. I'm sorry for all the mistakes I made in my part of the marriage. And I said, give us another chance. You know, uh, let's, you know, just want to work on our marriage. 
And Bob says, I, I, I have no desire. I am never coming home. And every time I would, you know, get just want to be honest with him, that I wanted to um, have him understand that, yes, I divorced him, but God had spoken to me and had changed me in my air and, and transformed me in a new person after I divorced Bob. And, and so he wanted to not forgive me, but that didn't matter. I needed to love him unconditionally. Right. And that's, and, and you for, got out of that crushing stage. Yes. And that's positively because you don't want your children or family members seeing you live in that crushing state. They, we want them to see that God is enabling you to walk through this disaster or this storm in your life. We have to remember, I just read recently that somebody said our resentment and our anger is fuel for the enemy. Like we, when we get in that stage of crushing, that the enemy is like, well, I got him. I've got the best of both worlds. I caused a divorce and now she's blaming God or I caused this illness and now he's, you know, walking away from the Lord. It's like a double win. And so just remember that, um, you know, we're going to have sufferings in this world and we have to um, just let our suffering that we face not make us bitter and angry at God and stay in that crushing stage like this woman spoke about, but instead allow that to be fuel that helps us long for eternity because this world is not our home. And you can easily forget that when you're in the middle of a hardship, but we have to keep that in mind. Oh, yes. And the Lord is your spouse for this season. And he will never fail you, and he provides for you in ways you can never imagine. Yeah. And you, talks to you and have a relationship with him. Do you want to close and read a scripture as we close? Yes, I would. There are so many scriptures that I share in our devotionals that are um, nuggets of gold is what I call them. And I pray that you will have a journal that you will write down your nuggets of gold in that you will never forget them also. But um, I love 1 Corinthians 13. It talks about love, and it's so perfect for us in this topic that we're doing today. And it says, and I'm just going to start in verse 3. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Did you hear that? It keeps no record of wrongs. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. Love never fails. And then I'm just going to jump down to verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And may I remind you to, if you have not done a, a word study, and look up faith, hope, and love, and write out 10 scriptures of faith, 10 scriptures of hope and love. 
And those will be your nuggets of gold in your journal that you will flip to and you will probably memorize them all or very know them almost by heart. And they will give you the faith that you need to have that your Lord is going to be in control of bringing your spouse home at the perfect timing and that you are not going to give up your hope regardless of your circumstances. Don't look at the circumstances. Keep your eyes on the Lord and love. And love never fails. And your spouse says they do not love you or anything else. But you know what? You just ask the Lord to give you the unconditional love for your spouse. And then you keep praying daily for your children and for your spouse. They would get saved and they would grow in the Lord daily or weekly because that's our biggest desire is that if any one of them died suddenly, we want to know that they would go and be with the Lord. Well, I hope that helped you today answering some of these questions. And like I said, go to our website and check out um, the Q&A under the resources and you can find answers to some more questions that you have. And we will talk to you next time we're on. Be blessed. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.